Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the post-Anzac edition version of the Big Footy Bormacast for season 2022. Unfortunately, the result did not go our way in the in probably what is probably going to be our biggest game for the year because I think finals are now a write-off. But this evening, I'm actually not joined by the Grizz. I've sent him off on a fact-finding mission to find out why we have been so horrifically poor this season. And I have no doubt next week he'll have all the answers for us. But to slide into his seat tonight is somebody that's familiar to all our listeners, and that is Kip Tastic. How are you this evening? Good, thanks, Bonds. I'd be better if we were speaking after a win. I was hoping, you know, it's been a few weeks since I've been on. I was hoping I would be the good luck charm to have us talking about a win. But unfortunately, you know, a few things went wrong. A lot of things to talk about, you know, coming out of that game. But yeah, overall, I feel about as flat as you sound. So yeah, I think it's it's not going to be a very energetic podcast tonight, I don't think. No, look, I, I am fairly flat. And it's, it's hard because I don't want to come onto this podcast every week and, and rip into the side because it, constant negativity can be can be quite deflating, not only for, for myself, but for listeners. And, and as supporters of the club, you know, we like to try and be as positive as we can. But, but we'll start today with something that's just... I don't know what's going on because, you know, they got the rev up for it last week. They got the rev up for it the week before, week in, week out. Either Truck's game plan's not working or the players aren't implementing it. I don't know what it is, but our, our ability to set up a zone or go man-on-man and stop defensive t- uh, movement from the opposition team from our forward 50 to their forward 50, our, our full ground defence, is just... It's, it's horrific at the moment. It, it, I just... I don't understand how an AFL club can allow a side to move so easily from one end of the ground to the other and not be able to do it the other way at all, which is which is what's going on with us at the moment. The players seem to get sucked in too much to the play and to where the ball is delivered. And obviously there's a lot of, you know, long down the line, slow, slow play. And the players sort of get sucked into that, whereas the oppositions are, are doing a really good job of holding their width. And so once we don't win the ball from that contested position, they're finding it really easy to spread. And I think that's where a player, I I still think that the absence of of Will Snelling and Kyle Langford to an extent is really hurting us structurally. I know that in terms of, you know, something we'll get to, I think in terms of forward 50 pressure, the the lack of lack of Snelling and and the lack of tipper means that it's a lot easier for oppositions to to exit that. And the lack of Langford on on a wing is limiting our ability to to hold space. The the replacements for those players are not performing to their standard. And to me, they're, they're such critical parts of our, of our structure that, it's falling down because the other players aren't aren't up to it. Now that's not to say that that's as an excuse. The other players, you know, they're, they're AFL players. A lot of them, you know, they they're at the point where they're at 30, 40, 50 games experience. They should be able to fill those roles, but we're not seeing it, and it's it's costing us. And it, it it's probably probably the the key difference today, as well as Collingwood's accuracy. You talk about our forward fifty pressure, and if you look at the way the side was picked, and I know the way the side's picked is not always the way they line up, but you know that full forward line of Kane Baldwin. Jake Stringer and, and Nick Cox. There's not a lot of speed there. I mean, Cox is agile for a big man, but he's still not quick. Stringer's you know, quick in bursts out of the centre, but you you wouldn't you certainly wouldn't label him as fast. And you know, Kane Baldwin's a, a key position player, so you look at that and go, you know, we really are missing the, the Tip and Woody and, and Will Snelling, as you mentioned, style player who once the ball hits the ground, it's not a complete loss. You know, Def Smith going backwards at a rate of knots has also really hurt us because because he was that other pressure forward that we had that unfortunately just doesn't seem to be able to do it over four quarters at AFL level anymore. I mean, he may that may change, but it doesn't appear so at the moment. So, 
you know, you, you do look at that forward, that forward 50 pressure and it does come out relatively quickly. Once the ball hits the deck, teams do seem to clear it. So you raise a good point there because that does obviously impact the midfield's ability to set up behind the ball. But even having said that, even if the ball is locked in our 50 for, for a length of time at the moment, the midfielders still don't seem to be able to set up. And I'm not sure exactly what more um, Truck can do because I think at, at I think that the conversation at the moment is, has he, has he lost the playing group? Which I think is absurd after 28 games. I can't imagine the bloke's lost the playing group this early in his career. But there's not many more levers that Truck can really pull. Tex Wanganeen can come in, but he's not up to AFL standards yet. So at the moment, it, it just seems like it's something we're going to have to suffer through. You could see it at the end of last year when they, they, they inquired about Roses and they went hard at, at Bobby Hill, that they were recognising that that was a concern. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of talk about the Davies, and, you know, looking forward to them in the next in the next year, but that's something that you can't you know you can't rely on now, obviously. And so it's something that the the, the leadership of the club were obviously concerned about. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't go harder for Stengel, although I think there was a, a pretty strong Geelong connection uh, with him from the start. So I don't know how um, successful that would have been, but you could you could see the club knew that this was a concern. They they probably were aware of Devin Smith's dropping output. I know they signed him to a two-year deal, but he signed that quite early in the year. I, I expect that he got a low offer and he just he took it because he wasn't expecting to get much else. So it's something that the club was aware of and trying to rectify. And I think there were, especially at the end of last year, there were, there were signs that Tipper wasn't wasn't quite all there. And there were, again, the concerns about where he would be at the start of next year. And then obviously Mosquito left as well. So they recognised that there was, a, there was an issue there and they were unable to fill it Immediately, obviously, they they selected Wanganin as that supplemental selection, and as you said, he you know he's he's shown glimpses and he does try hard, but he's certainly not up to AFL standard yet. So my I think that's probably one of the biggest issues in terms of delaying being able to delay it. It's not even it's not even tackling. I mean, you, you go to the stats, there was only three inside fifty tackles, which which comes from the fact that you know you've got a forward line of Wright, Baldwin, uh, Stringer, Waterman, Perkins. You know, you've got Caldwell and Guelphie sort of ro- roaming through the flanks there, but they're not they're not necessarily big tacklers. Um, pressure play, Guelphie does tr- try and does some sort of does some pretty you know high profile things, but it's not a consistent thing. So I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that they they were aware of the problem, were trying to fix it, and they they were unable to do so. And then with Snelling going down, you know, you don't you don't have that pressure that delays the exit. And therefore, they're able to move move the ball through quickly, and then the backs become exposed. Yeah, and I'll just quickly touch on the Davy twins because it's certainly something I think a lot of Essendon fans are looking forward to. But Alwyn Junior, I think at the moment isn't really going to be a small forward. I actually think he's going to end up being that winger midfielder type. And then you've got Jaden, of course, who, who's done the knee injury and is, is will be a small forward or looks like being a small forward. But I just don't think, and I'm not too sure how committed anyone is to, to this belief. And I, I think everyone's probably a little bit realistic, but the Davy twins certainly aren't going to be the answer. So we'll definitely need to look at that again at the end of this year, because I mean, if Tipper comes back at all, I was calling for him to be included a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. I've since seen him play a couple of VFL games, and I'm I'm now you know incredibly reluctant to play him because he just doesn't look like he's he's up to VFL standard. So he certainly would probably look out of place at AFL. But yeah, so I'm a little bit wary of the Davy twins because one of them's not necessarily a small forward. I think everyone hears the name Davy and thinks of Alwyn, but they are obviously different players. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they come on. Um, the other thing I want to talk about now is something that you sort of raised about the club being aware of issues and not filling 
the void because I think as good as we were today in the clearances and, and we certainly lifted our work rate around the ball compared to last week, which I mean, let's be honest, we kind of had to and we did dominate the clearances. We are still missing that big body, aren't we? And it's it's interesting that that I think you know it's, there was a quite, there was a couple of posts raised that oh well the club try to identify it by going through Josh Dunkley, but really you try and hit one player up, that's not really identifying and and that's not trying to fix a problem just by going for a top A grade because there's certainly been plenty of other blokes we could have potentially had a crack at over the last six years since Joe retired. I mean there was there was Dunstan last year who we didn't necessarily try very hard for who could have could have filled that role to some extent. So, you know, maybe the club is missing missing out by not taking that opportunity. Hewitt was available, obviously went to Carlton and, you know, that would have just been cap space, which judging by media reports, we have quite a lot of. Uh, so that could, again, could have been quite handy. It's hard today because the clearances were quite good. You know, we actually, we won the clearances and we actually won the around the ground clearances. So even last year when we were playing well, uh, we were winning sending clearances pretty comfortably, but we were losing around the ground the ground clearances, whereas stoppage clearances today, we actually were successful. And it was really only that that sort of five-minute patch in the fourth quarter where Parrish had that ankle injury and was off and Penderbury went into the middle. And I think that was that was the ended up being the difference. They kicked another... Parrish went off just after the first goal in, in that sequence, and then they got the next two centre clearances, uh, mainly through the work of Pendlebury. And, you know, that was that ended up being the difference in the game. So it's hard necessarily to say in terms of the big bodies. I guess what it sort of means is that you don't have that protection for the extractors like a parish, like a shield. And so they're, they're getting hit a lot more. And so that sort of wears them down across the course of a game. And that can have, have a part in terms of how much they're running and just the smartness that they're running. Sometimes I think that our midfielders don't necessarily run smartly. So they, they blow themselves up on the, on the possibility of getting, a, you know, a 50-50 chance of getting a possession that then means they can't turn around and defend or, or cover, the, cover the switch, which, you know, causes problems and, and allows for that quick ball movement. So it's hard. I mean, Dunk, Dunkley's out of contract again this year. Do we, do we go after him again? You know, it depends where we finish in terms of where the draft picks end up. The one, the one person that possibly could fill that role is Archie Perkins, you know, close to 190 centimetres, really good through the hips. He's obviously not a big body at this stage, you know, muscle, muscle mass wise, but you know, he's got a lot of attributes that would suggest that he is going to be a potential option in that role. It seemed like last week he was sick in, in some respects. He didn't really leave the forward 50 last week, so it might still be a bit of recovery for, for that. But, you know, with, with the season the way it is, you know, seeing him more in the centre square using his height and, and his hips you know, it's a potential option to see whether that's that's an option going forward. Yeah, and the, re- the reason I brought up the big body was was pretty much the reason that you spoke of there with Pendlebury, where Parrish went to the, the bench and, and Pendlebury just took the game by the scruff of the neck in the middle. But if you look at Collingwood today, so Jordan Dugowie had seven clearances, Pendlebury had five, and Jack Crisp had four. So that's their, that's their leading clearance players, and they're all 190 plus. And then, you know, Darcy obviously had 12 um, and then we, we have Dylan, who had five, and and, and, and Sam Draper and, and Andrew McGrath and Zach Merritt also, you know, chipped in with four each. But really, none of those guys, I suppose, are those big, powerful mids. Um, and, and Darcy's clearances, whilst Darcy played an exceptionally good game, he had 31 handballs. So, you know, he's getting he, his clearances are handballs to other players, which is fine. But it, it means that we're lacking that big bully, um, bollocking you know, midfielder who's smashing through packs. But look, Luke Dunstan's going to be one that I'll always be used by because he actually came out and said he wanted to go to Essendon. Um, and, you know, Will Brody's the other one, obviously, that Gold Coast paid for him and it'll take him off his hands. But but those players are gone now. It, it, so I suppose I'm being a little bit 
little bit silly bringing it up as, as a point for about today's aim, but it did just sort of really strike me today that, geez, we are just we're struggling around around the, the ball at the moment and not having a big protective body um, is, is something that, that is, I think, a concern and definitely one that we need to adjust for. And, and I'm just not sure the club's actually done enough to adjust that in the last few years. But we will, we will touch on a positive, and that is Darcy Parrish, because... There was a joke made by somebody who I was sitting with today that there's a medal on the line, Darcy, so time to turn up. And, geez, he turned up, didn't he? He had, what, he had 30 touches in the first half, 14 after half time. So you could say, yeah, he dropped off a bit, but the bloke was probably exhausted. You know, he, had, he had 12 clearances, which was just immense. He was the, the best on ground for that. And he was also you know, best on ground for us by that stat by a mile. Um, as I said, Shield only had... Shield only managed to have... Um, five alongside that but I suppose the, the thing about Darcy's game at the moment is he's not getting a lot of return for all these possessions so so he's getting the clearance of getting it out to people but I actually like Darcy by foot a fair bit and so for for him to have 13 kicks and 31 handballs I think it's just it's just a sign that that maybe it's him at the cold face at the moment and, and not a lot else going on I mean Dylan Shield also had 16 handballs but a lot of his handballs went to went to bloke's feet today so yeah it's it's a tough one isn't it because I thought Darcy played well but there's there's still room for improvement in that game well, that's it he seemed to be playing that that first that first extractor getting it to the players moving moving forward so you know it's not necessarily a bad thing that he's he he's focused on the handball like he, he's really good at the handball he's got really good vision and he's really creative with that and it was actually often working quite well where Darcy was getting that first handball out to a, to a Zach or to a Dylan um, and they would take it forward. What then happens is that you've, you've got to rely on, on those players using it well. We saw Zach, you know, return return using it quite well. Some, some of his weighted kicks were exceptional into the forward 50. And then on the other hand, you have Dylan Shield, who, you know, I thought, had, I thought had an okay game, but he had his four inside 50s, I think, all through the first half and I'm pretty sure that none of them hit a target or they, you know, it went to a 50-50. And that just kills you when you have those open those open opportunities to, to, to find someone on a lead or to, you know, even even run forward and have a shot at goal, you know, when they don't take that. You know, that, that, actually, that actually kills you a lot because then, you know, the opposition has the opportunity to take it out. And in a current situation, we don't have, you know, the players to lock the ball in. Those uh, inefficient inside 50s, you know, cause us a lot of problems going the other way. I was, I was tearing my hair out a few times with, with Dylan in terms of, you know, just sort of lob balls on top of people's heads or missed targets. It, it was really frustrating. I found it really frustrating. I tweeted about it. I brought up something last week um, on Twitter as well. I sort of went through a, a, one, a play where Dylan had, you know, an, an open opportunity to pass and didn't take it. And then he was running to 50. And then instead of going for goal, which he should have, he, he pulled it to a, a 50-50, which, which we lost. And I just... I'm just worried. I know he's he's very easy. He's very easy to pick on because of the amount of trade capital that we spent to get him. Do I think he's the worst player ever? No. Do I do I think what we've seen this past couple of years is is what we wanted? Definitely not. Yeah, it's I, he he cops a lot, and I want to defend him, but also some of the things he does is indefensible. In, just in terms of his disposal inside fifty, it just kills us. Especially as I said, with the the lack of ability to hold the ball in. Yeah, look with Dylan Shield. I think I think the problem is that. The truth lies somewhere in the middle with him at the moment in terms of what people say about him. Because there is two camps at the moment, really, for Dylan Schill. And they are very black and white, yin and yang. And and one is that he was a complete waste of the draft capital. He's been useless since we brought in. And it was a complete waste of time by us. And what an absolute disaster the, the trade has been. The other side of it is that he has done exactly what we asked for. He's been injured. It hasn't been his fault. He's, you know, 
the trade was worth it. Um, it. It was the player. He was the player we thought we got when we first got him, and it's only been injuries that, that have killed him since. And as I said, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think, I think we have there is justification for being disappointed with with what he's. Um, output has been since his first year with us. I thought his first year was very good. And I thought the talk about his kicking in his first year was extremely overrated. There was a lot of talk about how his kicking was rubbish. And I didn't think it was anywhere near as bad as what um, the media would have had you believe. It's always hard to nail every kick when you're coming out of the, the clearance at breakneck speed like he was. But I think you can also say that he has been a little bit disappointing. But the inside 50s is something that you raise. And it's, a, it's a good point. It's something I do want to touch on a, a bit broader about the side at the moment. So, so we had 52 inside 50s today. Collingwood only had 48. So on the face value, you look at that and go, well, we had more opportunities and we just didn't make, make the most of it, which... I mean, part of today's problem is, of course, Collingwood did kick 15 goals three, which is just absolutely unbelievable. We kicked 12 goals 10, um, which is, well, I suppose in today's stand, the AFL is pretty standard, although we did miss a few sitters. But, but the thing is, those 52 inside 50s, again, the disposal's just not great. And, and, and I think part of the problem is today, especially today, was we overused the ball up the ground. We did a lot of, someone said, someone posted about it, we did a lot of octagonal handballs today. We just went round and round in, a, in an octagonal shape and then we'd hack the ball forward. If you, if you look at the disposals today, so we had 387 disposals. They had, Collingwood had 338. So we had a lot more of the ball but they had more kicks than us. So we had 195 kicks. They had 207. We had 192 handballs. So basically, well, basically today, for every kick we had, we had a handball, which at AFL level is not good enough. I, I, I get that sometimes the, the quick overlap handball is there and you hit it, but that's a lot of overuse of the ball. And, and so I think, you know, we talk about the, the poor entries inside 50. That is to me at the moment, a large part of it is because we stuff around the ball so much up the ground that by the time we're actually in a position to put the ball inside 50, we've let the opposition run back, which you know we've talked about the fact that we're not doing that, but we, we do let the opposition run back, fill the holes, and then expect Peter Wright to, to take a, a pack mark over five people. It's, there seems to be a lack of dare. There seems to be a lack of willingness to take risk, and that comes from just a general lack of confidence. I think it's I was, we were speaking before we started recording, and I just think that that first game against Geelong where they got absolutely monstered has has killed their dare and killed, killed their flair. There's a real lack of willingness to take the game on. Obviously, Nick Hines being down sub today instead of that. Redmond, Redmond was okay today, I, I thought, and, and did, did do a little bit of, bit of that. But it's just a lack of dare and, and taking taking the risk. And that, that could be in part because they're not trusting, you know, the, play, the players ahead of them because they're, they're out of form there. There was attempts, more attempts today, I, th- I think to, to change it up instead of going back down the line, there was a lot more switching of the ball. So the, the suggestion there that it was, there was, there was a lot more switching of the ball today, which we hadn't been seeing these last, last couple of weeks. So it suggests that they, they were trying something new, although there were very slow switches, you know, so the, the Collingwood could, could get across. So there's obviously a lot of work to do there. And I think that that's what it comes down to. So Collingwood obviously defended the stoppage zone quite well. And that's, that's where that, those handballs, come into it and then you know otherwise otherwise you're just getting people doing those hack kicks that we've you know people have you know criticized Andrew McGrath for you know those sort of round the body kicks there so they're obviously trying to work it to a point that they you know get that free kick or that clear kick out to a target whether that's a Peter Wright coming down 
down the wing. So last year, when we were flowing, there were those handballs to advantage. So they would the handball would be to a position that the player would run onto and therefore that would then create movement. Whereas a lot of the handballs are sort of backwards or, you know, to stationary targets, particularly at the start today, there was, they were very fumbly. Obviously, Merritt was, was coming back into it. It was very fumbly at the start, worked his way into it. So there's not that crowd, unless unless it's Nick Martin. I know that I think every week has basically been a Nick Martin love fest around um, the Essendon traps. But other than him at the moment, there's no one really being creative with handball. And that leads to those, you know, that octagon handball that you're talking about. Uh, and that again, that allows the opposition to set up and, and slow the transition of the ball forward. And then obviously, because they're working so hard trying to get it out, they're, they're stuffed and unable to defend on transition. Yeah. And, and look, I, I do want to raise one positive about today's four, though. And, and because I think, you know, as, as I said, we did have a lot of the, the ball in there today and it wasn't used fantastically, but I don't think that was necessarily on the forwards. And so, you know, I just want to point out Alec Waterman today, who I, I still don't understand how he wasn't in the side from the start of the year, but whatever, I'll, I'll move on because I've said that about every week. You know, he, he kicked four goals. Um, Jakey Stringer in his game back, he came in and kicked three goals too. Probably could have, you know, snagged his fourth. Guelph, he managed to kick a couple. Archie Perkins, who'd been a little bit out of form, as you mentioned, Due to illness last week, there was talk of him being dropped. He came in, he came in and kicked two as well. And then if you also look at the score involvements, well, you know, Alec um, had, had seven, um, Archie had seven, Matt Guelphie had seven, you know, Jakey had six, and, and Darcy and Darcy Parrish led the way, obviously, with seven, which you'd expect due to his um, immense numbers that he put up. So, so those four players, I think, probably did their jobs today from an offensive point of view. It's just, as we've said, there's just no forward... 50, real forward 50 pressure once that ball hits the deck. So that's that's something that obviously needs to work on. But, but if we are, I suppose, if you are trying to look at a little bit of a positive, at the end of the day, the forward's job is to kick goals. And and really, Guelphie and Perkins, I don't think, are actually natural forwards. So so I think those two guys in particular were pretty handy offensively today. And, and certainly, um, Alec and, and Jake are very solid contributors and will continue to be up forward as, as we move on. And, and hopefully, Jake um, gets a few more Ks back in the legs and go back to his centre clearance role pushing forward to, to expose the, the opposition midfielders. That's it. I think if you're going to also talk about positives, you can't go past Sam Draper. I think he's, he's copped a lot of criticism, I think fairly, for his efforts over the first five rounds. And, and he really brought it today. Obviously, there's still there's still a fitness issue. You know, he fa- he faded late into the third quarter. I think that's where the uh, selectors missed a trick by picking Baldwin over Brian. Uh, I actually saw Baldwin rucking. I, I was shocked to see that I did not pick him as, as the backup. That's that's, that's insane. For, for Ball, uh, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. For Baldwin mm-hmm. to be rucking, I mean, today's what about his fifth or sixth game back from back-to-back knee recos at AFL level against someone like Brody Grundy or even Darcy Cameron, who's a pretty handy backup ruckman. That's just mental from our our coaching staff. I mean, it's just I get that you have to at some point back your player in to, to have recovered from an injury, but it's such a serious injury. It's such a massive risk, and 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 more importantly, the bloke's going to get out rucked because you know, as I said, Brody Grundy, one of the best rucks to play the game in the last thirty years, and Darcy Cameron more than handy. It's just a stupid decision from the coaching staff to throw Kane Baldwin into the ruck. But sorry, that's much my rant. I'll I'll, I'll let no, you continue. <laughs> no, that's all right. You sort of expressed what I was feeling in that first quarter. They did they did switch back to Peter Wright as, as that backup ruck, particularly towards the end when Draper did fade there. But you know that the Draper for the first three quarters there, particularly in that third quarter, that's the Sammy Draper that we saw 
for a lot of last year when he came back into the side. And again, that's that's what that's what gets people so excited. You know, the great big puppy dog, you know, he just picks the ball up and goes and, and no one can stop him, you know. You talk about big body midfielders, well, there you go. If he could kick, well, he'd be a Brownlow medalist, but, you know, he's probably never going to be a great kick. But what he brings to the side and just the way just the way he he created so many forward opportunities because of his his energy and, and his willingness to to use his body that great bump on was it Lipinski that he yeah that yeah, he got yeah. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely dropped in it's one of the best bumps you've seen from Edison player this year just the fact that he was doing things like that you know that's the sort of thing that lifts the side and when, when he's playing like that you know he, he just brings everyone along with him Obviously, he couldn't keep it up, and that's where I think again they missed a trick by not playing Brian. You could you could have rested Sammy a bit more um, and have him going into that fourth quarter because, as we could tell, Grundy did have more of an impact in that in that last quarter. Obviously, uh, in conjunction with Pendlebury, so you you know there's there's still a fitness work to go in terms of Sammy Draper, but that was really pleasing to see. Just just his energy. He took marks today. He hasn't been taking marks all year. If he can keep that sort of form up for the rest of the year, getting getting that experience, you know, that's really going to set him up for the future. Yeah, and look, I've definitely been one of Draper's biggest critics, especially on here on this podcast. But he he was good today. I, I did enjoy watching him today. He played with aggression. That hit, as you said, the hit on Lipinski, which I think you've got that one right. That 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 sort of proves that the, the bump is not dead. He managed to do that fairly without any malice and without any repercussions. There'll certainly be nothing from the um, MRO, MRO about that. And and the other thing was he got plenty of the ball. So so that's been my main criticism of him is that people point to the hitouts and go, well, he's won the hitouts. And I go, well, he has, but he doesn't do anything else around the ball. Whereas today he did. Um, he did drop a couple of marks in the back 50. But, but I mean, if I was to sit here and list all the dumb things that players did today, the, the podcast would go for two hours because I actually had a list earlier that I was going to list. I was, I was going to mention, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste everyone's time because I think we all saw it and, and, and enough of the negativity. So yeah, no, I certainly thought Sammy's game today was very good. But yeah, as you said, Kane ball winning the ruck, absolutely missed a trick not playing Brian. I, I mean, look, Kane, Kane kicked five goals last week, and Grizz and I both said last week that you know five goals. If, if Harrison Jones isn't fit, you've got to bring Baldwin in. But I think we saw today that Kane Baldwin is just not. He's just not up to AFL level yet. So, so five goals at VFL level is great. And, and in theory, that should translate to AFL, but it's clearly not going to. Yeah. And, we, and we saw that with Kane um, a couple of times there where if he just put the Dukes out and just ran at the ball, he would have taken a couple of marks. I think there was one, there was one there in the second quarter where he tried to take the ball in his chest and if he just put the arms out, no one was, he would have taken it. Like, you know, yeah. you just think about it. You know, he plucks that mark, he goes back, he has a shot from 25 metres out, he kicks the goal. How good's his confidence? He's up and about, but instead, you know, he, he put the put the arms in to try and take the chest mark. And then the, then that other one out, out on the um, half forward line where I think... Um, Darcy Moore. Darcy Moore, yeah, yeah, got the spoil. I mean, you know, all... He was all sort of going, yeah. Yeah. He was he, sort of going backwards and, you know, if he take, if he been able to take a couple of steps forward yeah you know he probably there but it just sort of his momentum meant he could set up more to take it on the chest it was so, but the other problem was he did sort of stop and prop whereas if he yeah so he was back you're right his, his initial momentum was backwards but then he stopped and he probably could have got himself forward and, and it, again if he just moved forward a meter he takes that mark he feels the bump from cat yeah because he still gets he still gets takes the hit, but he at least takes the mark. It's a bit of confidence, and 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 football is a confidence game. At the end of the day, I, you can have the best players in the world, but if they've got if their confidence is shot, and they've got no momentum behind them, they, they're always going to be run over by the the little bloke who's got got his tail up and his, his love and life. As as um, unfortunately we saw today with with um, Giovanni is Giovanni G- from Ginevan. Ginevan, 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 Ginevan yeah, I I, Ginevan I didn't from, think from Collingwood. 
I didn't think I could hate anyone as much as I, I despise Cody Waitman, but uh, some of Ginevan, Ginevan's carry on today. You know, I, I, I don't like to agree with Kane Corns on things, but, you know, he was starting to make a lot of sense just watching some of his reactions. But fair, fair play to him. You know, you kick five goals, you win the Anzac Day medal. You know, fair, fair play. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely, mate. I think, I think. Let's be honest. At the end of the day, if he was an Essendon player, I think we'd all love. He's, he's, he's the Toby Green, isn't he? He's the you hate him because he's not playing for your team. Absolutely. I think there was a kind probably deserved to be dropped, but I think there was a he. He would have been a good matchup for Ginevan. I know uh, if you go back to the Melbourne game, Hyde actually did a really good job on Cosy Pickett, and you know Hyde probably could have gone with Ginevan today. Heppel, Heppel got stuck on him. And yeah, Hep, you know, love Heps. Uh, I, th- I thought Heps was was solid um, otherwise, but yeah, Ginevan just torched him uh, whenever he was on him, and that again, that sort of cost us. I think the other, it's just another positive, just just to bring up. So generally, Collingwood's been a pretty efficient side going inside four fifty. They, they, you know, they their forward fifty efficiency has been at forty five percent for the year, whereas today was actually only thirty seven point five. Now I know they kicked well, and you know that was probably the difference between the sides, but. And, and there were obviously a lot of high-profile times where, where Colin would move the ball through the centre and into the 450. We actually, from in, in, in some aspects, we actually held up quite well as a defensive unit in that sense, in that we, we weren't letting them have as many effective entries as they otherwise would have. And the, as we all can tell, you know, the, the amount of scoring shots, shots they have, actually, we, we lower the amount of scoring. They've been having 26 scoring shots a game before this week, and they, they were only down to 18 today. Fortunately, you know, they kicked 15-3, whereas, you know, regular sides probably kicked 10-8 you know, and we win that game. So it's, 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 you don't want to, you don't want to say, you know, we were unlucky in that sense, but you know, Collingwood had, you know, that was the best kicking for goals since 1994 or something like that. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, always, I'm always someone who tries to be optimistic and, and look at the, and look at the positives. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a bit too positive with that, but it feels like a match we should have won. And it feels like one that we've let slip away with just a couple of things that, you know, really frustrate you as, as a fan sometimes. Yeah, look, I, I'm probably a bit different in the fact that I still think the better team won today because part of being the better team is obviously taking your chances. And a lot of the goals they kicked, yeah, I mean, they did kick quite a few. Oh, not quite a few. They kicked a couple that were probably, if you give them a chance, you give that to them, they probably won't kick it more than five or six times out of ten. But a lot of their shots were relatively straightforward shots. We just did not defend the ground well at all, which meant they were able to take that easier shot. And as a result, we're able to kick straighter. And, and yeah, so for, for me, I look at that and go, well, there's still the better team did win on the day. But we will, we will quickly move forward because we do have, uh, obviously, the Bulldogs... This week at Marvel Stadium, uh, three three twenty on the Sunday, so the three twenty. So it will be the Channel Seven game on 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 Sunday. Um, two and four, the Bulldogs, not not in great touch. Uh, they obviously got beaten by the Crows by a point, who who we managed to beat by four points. So in that theory, we should beat the Bulldogs by five points this Sunday. Um, but obviously, we know it doesn't work like that. But we'll still we'll still pretend that for the time being. The the main thing is obviously going to be their midfield because I don't think there's. I mean, I I don't think there's uh, apart from Aaron Norton. I don't really rate the the Bulldogs tools at all. I don't think Jamar Rugelhagen's anywhere near as good as what people would have you believe. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be as good as what people would have you believe but that's just my personal opinion so so yeah it really does come down to the midfield and unfortunately their midfield stacks up pretty good and, and so so and it's a big strength of theirs so um it's going to be a tough one this week with with the bodies like you know the Dunkleys the Bontempallys you know um you got McRae in there as well who gets his fair bit of the ball Bailey Smith but you know Bailey Dale take for example Liberatore I mean 
take any take any of those blokes and they're probably starting in the midfield for us. Absolutely. And there's there's obviously a big difference between playing, you know, out at out of Windy Ballarat, you know, where it's, you know, under under zero degrees half the time, um, versus playing under the under the roof at the dome. So, you know, that and that, that will obviously benefit them. They do seem to be struggling forward and back, the dogs at the moment. And even with their their high high profile midfield, you know, they're not exactly dominating sizes. There seems to be something off with the Bulldogs, you know. I think, you know, a lot of people talk about Adelaide being broken after the 2017 grand final. Is it too soon to start speaking about how the Demons broke Melbourne um, in the second half of the of last Demon, year's grand final? Demons fight? broke the Bulldogs, I think you mean. Sorry, Demons. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So, again, it's, it's, is, it, is it too soon to be talking about how the Demons broke the Bulldogs? You know, it seems, sometimes, you know, the, 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 names on, the names on their sheet, they should win easily. The the way they're playing, and you know, I, I do have some confidence coming out of this game that we are on an upward trend. Uh, as long as as long as we don't have too many injuries coming out of, in terms of say Laverty and and uh, Parish, if they can get up and, and good to go, you know, I, I, I always have hope. You know, you you despondent after the game, and then you, you build yourself up over across the week. So I think by the time you know the game rolls around, it'd be like, oh yeah, well we're we're a decent chance here. And then you know something like twenty nineteen Bulldogs game happens, and then you. You know, you start the cycle all over again. But I think I think they're gettable. And you know, if we, if we'd won today, and, and, and I, I think we actually had a couple of winnable games there that we could have got close to parity. So, you know, finals finals are a you know close to a pipe dream at the moment. But you never know if you start getting a roll on it. And, and a team like the Bulldogs that's not playing very well, you know, if you, you have you come along and you have a good day and, and you you players play their role, I think there's a there's an opportunity there to get our second win for the season. Yeah, so so we will just very briefly touch on potential changes. And I'll just say right now, I think Kane Baldwin has to come out for Nick Bryan. I just or, or you know, maybe Aaron Francis if he's fit. Who knows if he'll be fit, but let's we're not I'm I'm not sure yet. Um if Laverdes goes down, I think I think uh, Zach Reed comes into the side. He had he played very well in the VFL today, took eight marks down the back and he's starting to look like the player that we hoped he'd be when we drafted him. And, and to be honest, I'd probably nearly bring him in anyway. Um I love Zerk Thatcher's defensive efforts. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think he's great one on one defensively. The problem is I don't think there's a great deal of difference between what him and Laverde bring to the side in terms of their size or their, their individuality. I think that they're, they're, they're very similar. And um, I think Laverde is just playing that role better at the moment. So I'd probably, you know, if we, if push comes to shove, Zerk goes out, Reed comes in. Um, the other interesting one, of course, is, is the, is the famous name, which we've all seen, which is Tom Hurd did have 27 disposals, kicked two goals, had a couple of clearances in the, uh, in the forward line today for the Bombers. We need a pressure forward. Could we turn to a herd? Could herd be the savior of the Eston Football Club all over again? I'm not sure, but I'd love to bring him in, even if it is just the fact that it's James's son. I just love to get him into the side. The other two, obviously, that stood out for us um, are blokes that you know probably aren't going to come back in. Devin Smith had 28 touches, four clearances, four marks. Um, got involved a fair bit. Braden Ham, I thought, played exceptionally well at VFL level. It's it's frustrating because, you know, yeah, 27 disposals, but alongside that, he had 10 tackles, which is huge for a bloke of his size. And he does games like that that just make me go, hmm, maybe, there, maybe, maybe there's still hope for him at AFL level. Um, I've been pretty down on him this year and Grizz would love to be here to, to talk about him because he's had a great game today. So, you know, you look at that and go, well, I'd probably maybe look at, as I said, I'd bring Brian in for, definitely Brian in for, uh, uh, Baldwin, Reed comes in for Zerk Thatcher for mine. 
Tom Hurd in for someone because I'm a romantic. Let's bring him in. And, and then other than that, you know, Tom Cutler didn't really do a great deal wrong. But if you're going to bring your halfbacker in, you'd, you'd have to bring Hind back in because our, our, we just, I mean, Mason Rubin played well, but we were just lacking pace. That's it. I think the one thing about Brayton Ham's game that, that that stands out from that is is the ten tackles. It's it's something that when he was in the side at the start of the year, that's sort of the role he's expected to play. You know, he was he was almost filling in for for a Snelling. In, in that tackling way. And so, and he wasn't doing that. And that's, that's probably part of the reason why he got dropped. So if he's, if he's doing that at VFL and you can translate that to AFL, then, you know, you're probably looking at, at someone who, who can fill a role there. You know, Hurd's been building, you know, he's, he's done a couple of nice things the last couple of seasons. And you just, you, you do, you do want to say it's, it's, you just don't His want it to be heard. His name is heard. Let's bring him I, in. <laughs> I get it. But you don't, you don't just want to bring the, bring the guy in because his name's heard. It's going to, you know, pump up the, pump up the, the fans and, and get them excited. You know, you, you want him, you want him to earn it. And it looks like if, if he, if he's played like that, you know, he's create, he's been creative. He's, he's tackled. If, if he, if he was to come in based on that game, you, you would say that it was earned. So you'd, you'd want to hopefully maybe find a spot for him. I, don't expect they'll make too many changes unless they're forced by injury uh, at this stage. Cause I think they went some way to, to rectify in the Fremantle game. And I think, you know, if they hadn't done that, then that's when you would have seen whole, wholesale changes. I mean, Jamie was meant to be on the podcast, not but he has bailed at the last minute. So I'm just standing, I'm just doing exactly what he would be doing right now and saying, bring in Hurd. Hurd is the savior. He will be, he will, he will lead us to glory. Um, and the other, the other quickly thing, I just little thing I know I have noticed looking at the VFL today is, is if you look at the clearance numbers, so Joe Atley um, led the way, Sam Conforti, Dev Smith, obviously, Joel Fitzgerald, Braden Ham, and then who's sitting? Who's sitting down there, all the way in number six for us? And that's Alex Hurd, the other the other brother. He played his first game today. He, he didn't have much of a game. He had nine touches. Didn't have a, a great deal of the ball, but he did still manage three clearances. So Tom did tell me last year that Alex is the better player. So I'll watch his career with interest. But yes, as you've said, you do not bring Tom Hurd in because just because he's Tom Hurd, despite my um, over enthusiastic uh, proclamations that he should be playing because he is a Hurd. But he appears to have earned a spot, whether or not. There is one for him. We'll wait and see. But, but thank you for for joining me tonight, Kip. You've done admirably well, um, filling Grizz's very very large shoes. No, thanks for having me. It's been good to be back again. Hopefully, you know, if I'm back again in a few weeks, we're we're talking about happier times and, you know, about our about great winning streak and and how finals are just around the corner for us. But fingers crossed, things improve and we get a win next week. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, that will do us. As always, if you could please like, subscribe and comment and tell us what you like, that would be fantastic. But on that, as Kip said, hopefully next week we're talking about a win.